0: Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince & Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince & Convert Consulting.
1: Welcome to the Conic Show, the content experience show with Anna Rack and myself, Randy Frisch. We're so excited to have you here. And we know you're going to want to listen to this entire podcast because it's a great combination of strategy and in the weeds. I take it in the weeds. My bad. Tactical video strategy. We had Chris Singleman join us. He's a videographer at Loyola University, Maryland. And... I honestly, I was very pleasantly surprised because a lot of time we think these video people are in the background and they're just like really good, you know, in the background, but he's a, he's got a voice too.
2: Yeah. No, Loyal is doing really, really cool stuff. Everything from personalization in the undergraduate admission process, which absolutely blew my mind to telling these really authentic, genuine student stories. And I, I honestly think whether you work at a university or, or you're in higher ed or in education at all um or any other industry you can really take a page out of Chris's book with Loyola it's it's amazing the things that they're doing
1: yeah they they are definitely not you know just you know cashing their paycheck if you will they're pushing the limit in terms of you know the library they have of, of content at the Grove i believe it was called um which i checked out it's it's very well set up for discovery and understanding what their brand's about. Um, but the coolest part I think came towards the end of the podcast where he started to talk about personalization. And yeah. to be honest, I live in a bubble. So I, I hear people talk about how they're using, you know, personalized video all the time and they're just kind of doing it as something cute, you know, to, to change up the buyer journey at some point. But they're using personalized video in ways that are so impactful. To, yeah. You know, stand out from their competition, right? It's not just I'm going to capture your attention. It's I'm going to use Prisline's video in really practical ways, and I'm not going to tell anyone what they are because they they got to listen to the podcast to get all that, right?
2: totally but the one thing i will say about that is where marketers typically see video as a broadcast medium and pushing messages out the way that loyola is using it with their personalization is they're actually bringing students into that story and actually making them part of it which is super super fascinating I'd and it's sure. more engagement but yeah to figure out how they use it and do all the great stuff you have to listen
1: yeah but it's a great listen here we go anna you got to bring in chris let's rule the podcast
2: Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. I am really excited to get to chat with you today.
3: Happy to be here.
2: Before we dive in, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure. Uh, so like Anna said, my name is Chris. I am the videographer at Loyola University, Maryland. We're a Jesuit liberal arts school in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, here in the States. And I was also a graduate of Loyola back in 2016 and actually stayed on to fill the video producer role here as it was opened, and kind of as it was created. So it's was the inaugural position that we've had for video production here. And I just kind of stepped right in. And it's been an absolute thrill to be able to create videos for my alma mater and help bring new students into the fold. And it's been great.
2: Nice. So you're not just a videographer, you are the sole videographer, which isn't a, a tall order at all.
3: <laughs> that's right yeah it's um, it's a very small team I have a, an enormous amount of help in terms of the people around me who don't have a ton of experience with video but are excellent marketers and immensely talented at what they do in their own right whether it be writing or photography uh, and just you know creative concepting people who tell fantastic stories we do have one other individual who works on campus as the athletics videographer but we work in pretty much pretty big silos where I'm doing a lot of the marketing and video content and he's doing a lot of the live event production while we say hi to each other from time to time we are we're both very busy.
2: <laughs> nice. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how, first, before we dive into all of the amazing things that you're doing with video, because we got to chat offline and you're doing some really amazing stuff. But before we do, why don't you um, tell me a little bit about how this process works. So you mentioned you have a couple of other other colleagues, you kind of wave hi, you know, as you pass them and things <clears throat> like that. But obviously you work with so many different departments. So what does that look like? Because you're fulfilling content from so many different places.
3: Sure. Uh, what's really interesting about our team at Loyola is that we have a bit of a. I guess you could call it an agency, an in-house agency. Um, So our marketing and communications team where I fall has a a web team, a writing team and a communications team and a creative services team. So we do most of the creative work for the university in-house. Basically the way it works is that other departments on campus will come in and send in project requests, whether it be for an event poster or an event video or a marketing video, whatever it is, or a script for a university event for a speaker, whatever it is, Uh, and then we will work on fulfilling those tasks so you it is very much like an agency how we have clients, what we call quote clients around the university who we help and do work for. Uh, and we walk them through the process. I mean, we have a, a traffic manager and everything that helps guide us through the process and make sure that we're staying on task and keeping university priorities. And, you know, it's a tall order because they're, I guess you could say 20 to 30 individuals servicing the entire university. And while we do have a lot of great freelancers that we work with, it is a, a lot of individual a very small team doing a, a lion's share of the work creatively, but it's a lot of fun.
1: So it's it's interesting how you unpack that, Chris. And I, I want to dig back to a couple of the words that you use there. And and I'm going to be very honest. Some of these questions are selfish, um, but I I know that the questions I'm asking are probably the same going through some of our listeners. When you describe being part of the team, I love that part. Um, but when you describe the team that's actually executing on video and how lean it is, I think this is something a lot of us wonder, which is if we hire a videographer. Is that enough? Like, is, are our videos magically going to come together, or do we also have to have a budget for, as you hit on, freelancers, right? Like, mm-hmm. and video freelancers. So, at, at Uberflip, we just hired our first videographer. He started like two, three weeks ago. You know, he's going to hit the ground running. But we we had this big debate. It's like, what should we expect him to be able to execute on his own, and where do you, as a videographer, still need to pull in external help?
3: Sure. And listen, this is a question that we're still answering ourselves. So forgive me if uh, it's not the best answer. But uh, I think one of the biggest learning lessons that we had, given that this was a new position, was that we are going to need outside help. And it's not something that was going to get done entirely in-house. I think having an expectation that having one person on the team might be able to do everything is kind of a lofty one. And it certainly depends on what your video goals are, but as a major university, you know, we have 4,000 undergraduates and other several hundreds of thousand graduate students. It's a, it's a big audience to serve. Uh, So we do outsource some video work. We have production houses in the area that we've developed relationships with. Uh, We have, and whether it be just like, "Ah, we can't get to this event. We need someone, a single shooter to come in and help film or it's, doing a project from start to finish. And while we're still deeply embedded in those projects as kind of producers and understanding what the outcome is uh, we are we do outsource some work to local agencies and freelancers uh, because it's just if you have lofty goals it's impossible for one person to do video is is absolutely the medium that people are thinking about the most these days uh, and it's going to it, it takes a lot of work to do that and execute upon that uh, so it's 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 a lot for one person but I think we do a lot here with one person simply because we have so much support from the you know the people around me the designers the writers who help feed into not just with their own content, but with their ideas and their support. And, you know, the, the guy who works next to me, who's a, a graphic designer has run the audio poll for me a couple of times. He's, he's, he's right. done the boom, you know, it's, it's, uh, filling in where you might be needed and we get a lot of things done.
1: So I, I want to dig deeper into the types of campaigns, because as you described that, I was thinking to myself, okay, you're, you're marketing to students. And sometimes when we overproduce some of these assets, they no longer feel genuine to that, to that audience, right? And we, I, feel, I find that a lot, and I don't know if you, I know you see a lot of the things I post on LinkedIn, Anna. Mm. It's funny, when, when we do like really raw shit, which with is like low production, we'll often get way more engagement than I'm thinking of this one video we did walking through the halls. We tried to make it feel raw, but it was so well produced that it didn't get a ton of engagement because it felt too polished. So I I mean, is that, how do you balance that? Maybe, maybe that's my first question. What do you find works better for your audience that, that raw, you know, your buddy holding the boom or not even having a boom or, or, or the purely, you know, well thought, well produced asset.
3: So I think it's uh, it might not be necessarily a question of production value because I think we've done some really great stuff that has had enormous production value and been really well received by our students. I mean, we have these kind of overarching brand videos that we publish uh, on our YouTube account and also when, uh, whenever we have students come to open houses. We showed them that video and it's very highly produced and people love it. It always gets rave reviews and we worked with a freelancing agency to help us bring that to fruition because it was such a big project. But we also have things like that that don't land and it's kind of like what you just said. It's like, well, this is way too much for me. It's overproduced. It's clearly not authentic and I think that is where the, the real issue is, and it's an issue of authenticity. And I think what we strive for in all of our work, whether it be video, written, or photography, it's authenticity. You know, we want students and prospective students and also alumni and potential donors to look at this content and say, wow, I can see myself there. I remember myself when I was back at Loyola, uh, or Loyola is a place that I want to go and be, and you know, feel like a welcome community. Uh, so it's off, we want our content to be authentic first and foremost. So whether that is a very low production value video, and it's just like on the on the fly, seat of our pants, and we do a lot of that with our Instagram story, uh, and you know, putting that kind of content as it happens. But you know, we strive for a, a strong production value in all of our videos while maintaining authenticity. So I think it's not necessarily a question of production value, but more so authenticity and making sure it seems real and uh, it's, truly, it's true to what Loyola is and stands for.
2: So what are some of the stories that people, and specifically students, are kind of reacting to? What do you find them gravitating to, both on the undergraduate and just the current student side?
3: Sure. I mean it's it's the experience. It's the student experience. It's uh, you know, Loyola as an institution prides itself on having a transform it's you know transformational education, but it's also a transformational experience. It's it's a community that brings you into the fold. And you know, when I was a student and looking at colleges, it, it felt Felt right. That's basically what we try to talk about. It's it, it's it's something that feels right, and it's a it's a home away from home, and that is certainly the type of content that we want to talk about. It's like you're not just going to come here, get an education, graduate in four years. You're you're coming here to see the world differently. You're coming here to you know make friends and be diverse and nimble and change over time and you know, we say it goes forth and set the world on fire. And it's, it's a very unique experience. And I think that that's certainly what we're trying to showcase in all of our content. And it's typically what people resonate the most with. And it's, it's those true student testimonials, for lack of a better word, of saying that this is what it feels like to be here. And then also showing it with our, you know, we have like a lot of, um, we call them our, like our hype videos, which is kind of like trailers for Loyola and what it's like to be a student here. Um, and those are definitely the, the types of content that we see doing
2: really well. Nice. I I also love that you're using video to tell these stories because there are so many instances in which written content just does not do this justice, right? Like you can describe the experience, but it's a completely different thing. And it's a completely different story when you have a student tell it themselves on video, or even when you're telling it on video, you know, you can actually see, you can experience things, you can go deeper. And I think as content marketers and, and just marketers in general, people are still relying far too heavily to communicate these types of experiences via word when it just doesn't do the story justice. I mean, it's, it's video is something that is absolutely essential to get this message through.
3: I would agree with that. And I also think that a big part is just, in general, a, a diverse and robust content library. Um, so beyond just the written word, but also with video, but also with photography. And I think photography can be something that uh, is kind of overlooked in some ways, but is a great way to tell your story. And sometimes like it's very difficult with our, with the the video production team that we have in terms of telling every single story But okay, we can't do a fully fledged video on this, but what can we get photography of as well to make sure that we're sharing the whole experience? Uh, And that kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier with this idea of there's so much to tell, so little resources. So how do we do it effectively? And I think that's one thing that we are very conscious of here at Loyola. And we have a great team working on that is like we have a video of this. So let's also make sure we do a story of something different so that we really have a depth and breadth of content that showcases the whole loyal experience. So I might not be able to get a video of our midnight breakfast because I like to go to bed at 10 o'clock, but let's definitely do a a written piece about that and have some student photos that we can showcase that as well. So it's having that diversity of content and having a consciousness of what what makes the most sense to invest certain areas of, of creative media
1: into. That's great. Okay. Chris, I, I've got a million questions I want to ask you, but we are going to take a short break here from some of our sponsors here on the podcast. And we'll be right back to dig into some of those questions, including one that I think everyone is wondering around captions.
0: Hi, friends. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now. At uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. Report And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at convinceandconvert.com.
1: So a lot of you may be wondering, why would I send you to bit.ly slash Instagram for tours? It's a report coming from Convince & Convert that's all about Instagram for tourism marketing. Now, some of you may be saying, I'm not a tourism marketer. Granted, I like to go on tours and I like to travel around. But I always like to say we can learn so much from different areas that are outside of our focus. And I think the travel industry, the tourism marketing that's going on these days... The degree of personalization that's needed is so important. So, to boost your Instagram views, likes, and visitors in 2019, go to bit.ly slash Instagram for tours. We're back here on the podcast chatting with Chris, and I had a question that I left us all with, which is captions, right? Like, now, first off, are you pro or con? caption. And then I want to get into the next question that'll follow that. But what do you think of captions? When do you use them? When do you not?
3: Oh, I mean, we are pro captioning. It is basically a uh, a requirement of any video content that we put out on the web uh, that it has to be captioned, we obviously run into a bit of a challenge with this with uh, social video and sometimes on Instagram um, because those stories features don 't involve captioning yet, but the anything we put out on YouTube or we 're going to be sharing on the web uh, or with an email campaign to prospective students, really any audience is going to be captioned, uh, so we, work, we make sure to work very hard to make sure that that happens
1: gotcha, yeah, I, I agree, I think. Yeah, you know, it's fun. It's funny. I find myself sometimes getting hooked reading captions. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's Narcos has made us more comfortable to read captions these days, but uh, you know, it's just not so bad. Uh, anyhow, I guess my question, my question is, how do you get them done, right? Because we struggle with that ourselves, as you hit on it. I mean, Facebook does it well. Uh, we use LinkedIn a lot, where they don't have captioning. I'm, I, my understanding, is it's in beta right now, but you know, we're doing a lot of that manually ourselves. Uh, because a lot of the tools that we found just aren't sufficient enough any any best tips there
3: uh, so certainly it's, it's it's tough because we are also doing it in-house um, we the two channels that we share on most frequently which would be uh, YouTube and Instagram and we do some to share some content on uh, Facebook but typically we're sharing it through YouTube we haven't done too many native uploads to Facebook but YouTube's um automatic captioning tool is pretty robust and offers a really great uh first pass but we make sure that whenever we're uploading content to youtube we kind of let that uh sit and let the auto captioning do its tu- uh, do its work and then going in and editing it uh because it is a, a very important thing for our audience and it's also a very important thing to adhere to accessibility guidelines uh as we know is a, is a huge thing that we need to be thinking about in today's day and age and we we do make sure that we go in and uh uh, edit those captions to make sure that they're fully flushed out and they're accurate. And I think one thing that we certainly benefit from is having content without too many words. We definitely try to err on the side of show, don't tell. Keeping things a little bit more thinner on words helps us make sure that those things are captioned well and captioned quickly. Uh, and another thing that's really helpful is when you're in the uh, the editing process, especially with some of those longer content, such as if, they're, if it's a documentary or a really robust testimonial video where you have a lot of uh, speaking, Going on, having um, the editor in there, kind of captioning as they go, and you know, because sometimes what we'll do when we edit a really big project that is a kind of a documentary, I'll go in and transcribe the interviews so that I know what are the sound bites I want to pull out, and I'll kind of even have a, a loose script in the editing process, and that kind of helps me. I already have a written piece that I can reference as I'm captioning, uh, and it certainly uh, you
1: know speeds up the process. That's great. I mean, the last part that there is is the great advice. I just have a hacky question there. That you may not know the answer to but now i'm curious so the youtube functionality can i upload my video that i'm going to use say on linkedin get the caption done and then download like an mp4 does it hold the caption or is that native to
3: it is to, native it's native to youtube i'm fairly bam. certain you can export fairly ex, fairly certain you can export uh caption files but i don't know of linkedin's functionality to upload those captions yeah files. you can so,
1: okay yeah
2: like, it's a separate I like, file I like how Randy's trying to like hack
1: this is straight
3: my life
2: a big time saver I'm not I'm not gonna fault you for that
3: I, I, yeah. I think I certainly think that as you know with accessibility concerns where they are today platforms are going to have to Have a more robust auto captioning feature and uh, across the board because it's such a huge concern. It's it's a need. It's a necessity, um, especially if we want anybody to be able to ingest this content and view this content without really anything. Like any audience should be able to consume this content. So auto captioning should be more robust across the board. And I think that is certainly a focus of video hosts everywhere.
2: Nice. So not to shift gears away from accessibility, but you are doing a lot a lot of videos we already talked about. One of the things that I really want to talk to you about and make sure we dig into is the fact that you are using personalized video across the entire funnel for the undergraduate admission process, which to me, when you first started telling us about this off-air, it's, it's fascinating and phenomenal. My, my mind's blown because I don't hear about a lot of universities doing this, especially personalized video. So how are you managing to pull this off And what does this content look like?
3: Sure. So we have an excellent partner in Vidyard, um, which I'm sure you're both aware of. They're a video marketing company. And they have a personalization tool that uh, basically my first year on the job, they reached out to us with, uh, actually it was a, supervisor who ended up going to a conference and hearing from them, and they reached out to us with some more information about personalized video. And we saw it as an absolutely phenomenal opportunity. And as you said, to be one of the very few universities doing anything like this. Because as we've seen across the board in all of our undergraduate prospective student marketing, personalization is huge. Sending personalized postcards, letters, posters, whatever it is, anything that can be personalized. In fact, every email is personalized. Anything that can be personalized should be because it just shows that personal touch that Loyola, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Loyola is this community that you will come to and you'll be included. And we know you. You're not just any other student. We know you. We know you by name. And so to showcase that in video uh, was an awesome opportunity. And we definitely wanted to dive right in. So in our first year of doing personalized video, we did more of a a marketing piece, whereas we did like a day in the life video where the viewer kind of wakes up in a dorm, they see a poster from their hometown, they see their essay that they've written the night before and it's got their name on it and what class they're, they're in. And the, the class was actually of an academic interest that they've indicated on their application. And then they kind of go around campus and we got to show the traditional loyal experience, but it felt very different than anything we had done before because it was personalized. So it was a great opportunity to do that
2: was this like all from like first person perspective or yes. was it just really yeah How so we you- do like the hometown stuff? How did you get to edit and personalize all those little things?
3: So it was uh, that was kind of it was a it was a definitely an experience of learning by doing and you know trying trial by error and we definitely went all out in our first video. We wanted to see personalize as much as possible that we could do and we have a, a really great partnership with our undergraduate admission team who keeps very detailed records and has an awesome database of information about the students that are applying to Loyola um, and we were able to kind of tap into that. To personalize, okay, so, you know, I, I'm from New York, if I got this video, I'd have a little poster on my wall, that said, I heart NY. And it's very important to know that, like, uh, I'll preface this by saying, like, everything is text based. Uh, so you can personalize all the text in the video. So we had to kind of design props around that. So I knew that one of the things I wanted to have was a poster of, a, of the hometown. So we did a prop that was a poster and said, I heart and then the rest of it was blank. So that in post-production, I could add in that personalized text that would change depending on the state that the person was coming from. And that was, so if you're from Maryland, you'd see MD. If you're from New Jersey, you'd see NJ. Uh, and that was a, a really fun uh, little add in. Uh, but the, the big key there was also still trying to remain authentic and still trying to remain true to what we were talking about earlier. And so we definitely tried to keep it limited and there was like just subtle touches. Like, yeah, it was kind of mind blowing when you saw it, but it didn't take up the whole essence of the video. There was a story that happened around the personalization and that's been our our biggest thing. And as we've gotten more comfortable with personalization, we've actually moved on from treating it just like a marketing tool. And while we've used that video again, throughout other phases of the funnel. Our big push now is using personalized video to announce our, to our accepted students that they've been admitted to Loyola, um, which is really cool because, uh, you know, we've done letters for the longest time and basically any school can do a letter, but we're going to be the ones that send a personalized video, which has been awesome.
2: That's, That's amazing. amazing. That's I, phenomenal. I, I, it I almost really makes it. me want to go back to school.
1: I mean, I not know. fully, not fully, <laughs> because I wasn't a big school yeah, guy. Yeah, no, but, but yeah.
2: Like, I just kind of want to get one of those videos that's amazing. Like, that That totally brings it up to a whole other level. And, and Randy, sorry not to cut you off, but also just thinking about, especially with universities, it's it's a little bit, the process and admission admission process is a little bit stodgy still for the most part. It hasn't really changed. It's a pretty dusty sort of process. And to bring that life into it and engagement is amazing.
3: I think the important thing is to note there is while it, the process hasn't changed, it's certainly become different for the students. I mean, it is it is not unheard of for students to be applying to 14 or 15 schools. These it is it is very difficult to bring in a class for any university because students simply have an abundance of choice uh, with financial aid and scholarship that's available elsewhere. It is not an easy thing to be bringing in a thousand students every year, and our team works incredibly hard to make sure that we do it. But when you have that abundance of choice and all those opportunities, and particularly when you're thinking about a decision that is both incredibly important personally but financially, in today's you know higher education market, the the cost of attendance is very high really anywhere you go um so it's a it's a very big decision so showing as much personalization and keeping it personal and having those touch points is, is really important throughout the process
1: beauty so uh, moving on personalization i have one more question before we start to wrap and get to know you a little bit better which is what i think is great about what you're doing in, in our chat beforehand is that you have a destination for all this content to live for people to learn i think it was called the grove is that the correct growth, yeah Mm-hmm. So, so tell us a little bit about The Grove and you know, what its purpose is beyond personalized video, because it feels a little bit more of a library, if you will.
3: It is, it's, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It is a library. And unfortunately, uh, it's difficult for the personalization to live there, uh, the personalized video to live there, just because it's uh, It's a different uh, venue. But most of our video content does live there. But also, so does that depth and breadth of content that I was talking about earlier, where we have a lot of our written pieces, we have photo essays in there. And The Grove kind of came together uh, as the brainchild of one of my... An, fantastic colleagues who put it together as a way to house all of the kind of the branded content that we have at Loyola. And it is in essence, the story of Loyola and kind of this, not just a case for enrollment, but an idea of what Loyola's mission is, what its, uh, what it's history is, what it's like to be a student at Loyola. And they're done through different written uh, pieces. They're done through videos. Uh, so these, these pieces kind of all live together. And what I was referencing earlier is kind of that uh, being conscious of the the resources that it takes to create this stuff and knowing that we can't do a video of everything, we can't do a, a story on everything, but let's at least have it all live together so it has one home and it, uh, people can visit it and see everything they need to know about Loyola in one place. And that is definitely what the Grove is. And it's been an awesome uh, experience to see that come to fruition and also have an opportunity to continue to add to it. And it shows us what we still need to talk about and what we're talking about well. And also it is a one-stop shop to send our prospective students to learn more about Loyola.
2: Nice. Chris, I'm, I'm really excited about all of this content you're creating, and I know other people are going to want to take a look at it. Is there a place that they can go, a URL that we can direct them to, to take a look at some of the latest content you're creating, some of the latest videos that are being posted?
3: Uh, the, the best link I can give you is actually loyola.edu forward slash grove, uh, and you'll be able to access most of our video content and our written content there as well.
2: Nice. All right, everybody go check it out. See what Chris and the amazing team at Loyola are doing until then, Chris, what we're going to do is now that we've gotten to know the professional side of you, we're going to take a quick break and ask you some very fun, lighthearted personal questions. And Randy always has some fun movie trivia facts. I'm sure. I don't know what he has planned, but I'm sure he'll have something along the movie lines. So everybody stick with us. And we are going to chat with Chris, um, a little bit more right after this.
1: All right, Chris, we have learned a ton about how you use video, but most videographers, and I don't want to stereotype you, they, they love video, right? They love film. So we thought we would kind of put you on the hot seat. And we want to know what's that go-to movie that you watch over and over and over. It doesn't have to be an embarrassing one. Like mine, Back to the Future. Not going to lie. Love Back to the Future. I can watch it over and over and over. I want to be Marty McFly. <laughs> um, but but to, to kind of add... Because everyone knew I was going to go with this question, speaking to a videographer. I also know you like to mix your own drinks. So what drink is in your hand while you're watching this this go-to movie?
3: All right, well, that's both excellent questions. Uh, I would definitely say that my go-to movie is Jurassic Park. I've loved that movie since I was a kid. Still get scared of the scene with the velociraptors in the kitchen. I mean... (laughs) The uh, you, you want to talk about just video-wise, like the production value on that and just that the realism and the fact that they're using robotics and puppets and all that stuff. But just a great movie. Loved the book. Loved the movie. Did it great justice. So I will watch that any day of the week, and still have like that tension in my heart when the when the Tyrannosaurus is coming out of the 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 pen. Uh, but you know, cocktail that I'm be mixing while I'm drinking that, I'd probably keep it pretty simple. Go for an old fashioned, so I can just settle in and watch, uh, not or think too much about my drink. I, I got that problem where I'm like, I spend like 15 minutes. What am I gonna make? What am I gonna make for dinner? What am I gonna make to drink? And then I've already missed like you know most of the movie. So keep it simple, old fashioned Jurassic Park that's safe
1: too because the, the drink is usually not filled to the top of the glass. So exactly. that when they, you know, when the, the velociraptor just comes around the corner, you're not spilling over the edge. Right. Exactly. And these are important details to think through, which I'm sure go through your mind in these, in these situations. It's interesting I, I'm more a Manhattan guy than an old fashioned guy, but you know, no judgment. I mean, it's just, I, I'm just saying, if you come over and we watch Jurassic, it's, it's probably going to be a Manhattan, uh, What's your go-to drink, Anna? Like when you're when you're drinking, watching a movie,
2: you know, i'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty basic. I go with mm. like a delicious craft beer or a really good glass of wine. But I did just have an amazing drink this weekend that I'm obsessed with, and it's called the Last word. Okay. Chris, yeah. have you heard of this one?
3: I have not heard of this one.
2: So it's um gin, chartreuse, lime, and then something else. But it's this prohibition era drink that is, fantastic and it is a stiff drink it's like it's totally like an aviation like it's just lots okay, of booze. So it
3: sounds a lot like that
2: yeah lots of booze mixed together to where you don't know there's a lot of booze in it which yes. i'm a fan
1: yeah two of those and you're you're having it's it's a good movie no matter what you know no <laughs> matter how many brought in tomatoes chris this is so much fun thanks so much for sharing with us uh giving us a lot of tips And also a lot of strategy when it comes to video production and then obviously getting to know you. For everyone who's tuned in today, thanks so much for making this part of your podcast listening. If you found this one on the fly, find us on Spotify, on Google, on iTunes, and wherever you can, leave us feedback so that we know what's connecting with you at the end of the day. Until next time, I'm Randy Frisch. On behalf of NRAC, thanks for tuning in to The Connect Show, The Content Experience Show.
0: This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince & Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.